Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, everybody. This is Giandra LaBeouf, and it's time for another installment of the Shy After Show. Tonight was episode three of the ongoing series on Showtime, created by Lena Waithe, produced by Common, and our characters are wasting no time again for the third straight week. I I love that about this show so far, that there's no meandering, there's no tiptoeing through the tulips, it's just getting hard, straight to the story. Now into week three, we're getting to learn our characters more about what makes them tick, some of their... We're starting to see some of their demons starting to surface, their weak spots, their blind spots. And, I mean, just after three weeks, we're starting to get to the point where we know their names a little bit better. There's a lot of characters, but we're so invested into our core group of characters, Kevin, Kuji, Jason, Brandon, Ryan, Emmett, and Cruz, that it's becoming easier to remember their names. So we love that. Before we talk about tonight's episode entitled Ghost, first let me give a shout out to our sponsors at Undeterred.com, purveyors of signature and statement making t-shirts. Are you undeterred? Go ahead to Undeterred.BigCartel.com and make sure you check them out. Pick up a t-shirt. Tell them that Giandra sent you. They have some really dope stuff. Nat Turner Gud Club, Undeterred with the Black Fist Comb. Really, really dope stuff. So head on over there and let them know that I sent you over to pick up a shirt, wear it, tag Undeterred on Instagram, use the hashtag so that we know that you are out there being undeterred by what life is throwing at you. And speaking of what life is throwing at people, let's just jump right in tonight's show. So tonight's show is called Ghosts. And as we see over the course of the episode that everybody is haunted by something that's happened since we've come to know them, they're either haunted by the ghosts of those who have gone, people are going ghosts by disappearing, and just this invisibility or haunting and everything is just a common theme throughout the whole show, as expected with the title, but it's getting tough. It's getting tough for our characters. And I'm starting to feel a little anxious, like somebody is going to get dropped pretty soon that we are starting to become attached to, but we just don't know. So let's recap, you know, where we left off last week with the episode, Ali, our, our guy, Brandon, Kuji's brother was out with his coworker, Kevin, or out with his coworker at the restaurant. And, you know, thinking about going out and exacting some revenge on the person who killed Kuji. As we know, he knows that Ronnie is the person who killed his brother because little Kevin told him, did some little snitching on the low low, and he just doesn't know what to do with the information. He's hiding it from his wife. She can sense something's going wrong. She's like, what, you know, not a hood girl, but she's not stupid. She senses something's going on. And she told him last week, don't get caught up in any hood shit. So it looks like she kind of, he kind of, um, put her words 
on the back burner and decided to go out and do exactly that. So they're out rolling around. They're looking for Ronnie. They decide this week that they're going to use his co-worker's plug to go buy a gun off the street. But because Brandon is so uneasy about doing that, he decides that, um, you know, he hesitates. And by hesitating, it makes the plug get nervous too. So what ends up happening? The plug cocks him over the head and pistol whips him and takes his money because he's not trying to go to jail either for selling illegal guns. But what he was trying to sell him was just way over the top. He's trying to get him a Glock with some hollow point bullets. And it was just way more than probably what he needed could handle. And because he's been living this righteous path and living with his lady, trying to do right, it was just beyond what he needed for retribution. So we leave off with there. So he gets Jack for his money and he doesn't buy a gun, which is good in a sense, because we don't want our dude going to jail already. So we switch over to young Emmett. Emmett is our player, player guy who's feeling guilty. Or I'm not Emmett, excuse me. Ronnie is feeling guilty about shooting Kuji. As we know in the last episode, Cruz told him you killed the wrong kid. That's not who killed your boy, Jason. So he's at the crib. He went ghost on his girlfriend after he was supposed to go out and get some ribeye. Them ribeyes never made it back to the crib. And um, he's just at home getting high by himself. And as people know who smoke weed, you know, you you could start seeing things if you got the right leaves. And he just imagines that Kuji is talking to him and, and telling him, just making him feel guilty about killing him. And our ghost theme is Kuji Manifest is sitting on the couch with him and just telling them that you shot me and you ended my dreams early. And he's just sitting there feeling guilty in what he's done. Switching back to Brandon, he goes over to his his mom's house to clean up after he's been pistol whipped because he doesn't want to go home with a face full of blood and a dirty shirt for his wife asking questions after she already told him, don't go out in the streets getting involved with some hood stuff. But he just isn't ready to to quite let it go. He's got one foot in and one foot out of the hood life. And his wife is really doing her damnedest to make sure that he doesn't put both feet in and go act on impulse instead of going to the police because she really wants to help him live this righteous path. As for our player, player Emmett, who has a young son, he's still messing around. He hasn't learned the hard way. He's back in the bed with his girl, Keisha, trying to trying to get it in a little raw style and at least she has the sense to know that that's not the right move of course in case you forgot Emmett's girlfriend is young Kevin's big sister and their relationship's pretty cool I hope we get to see a lot more of the development of their relationship but I would hate that if something happened it could happen you never know if something happened like with Jason and Kuji and one of them gets killed so Going back to Brandon, Brandon has finally admitted to his wife that he knows who killed his brother. And he's just feeling conflicted and he just doesn't know what to do. He, but his wife has made it very clear. She doesn't want him out there taking the hood route and he should just go to police, to the police. Something occurred to me on a side note, just switching back to Emmett real briefly Emmett's mom has a really nice crib. Did anybody peep that out? Whenever they're shooting the scenes in Emmett's bedroom, like he got a nice little bay window. They're living pretty nice in Chicago, but totally random. But Emmett is such a spoiled, pampered boy. 
while he's out here doing all this player player, we're going to get into, we realize throughout this episode that he just doesn't have that heart for that street life. Like he has that street hustler mentality, but none of these kids really just seem so super duper hood. The young men, Kevin and his boys from school aren't super hood. Kuji was street smart, but he was a sweet, goofy kid, as his brother called him. And now we look at Emmett and what really makes Emmett tick. Emmett just likes the ladies and sneakers. He really does. It's not about that hood life. So what is interesting to know, and it's good to see some diversity in casting, we find out that Kevin and Keisha's mom is in a same-sex relationship. So we get our first introduction to her girlfriend and how they're coexisting in their house more about the development of their relationship as the series progress. Flipping back to our guy, Ronnie, Ronnie now must answer to his girlfriend, Tracy, for going ghost on her the night he was supposed to bring the ribeyes over and he never showed up. You know, they were intimate and they, and she felt like they could rekindle what they had going on after he went and got retribution for the death of her son. But when she confronts him about disappearing and going ghost on her, he can't explain why that he thinks he shot the wrong, the wrong kid. It's clear that his girlfriend, Tracy, is one of those type of ladies who have a good job, presumably for the government or something like that. But he just can't bring himself to tell her that he killed the wrong boy. And since he can't justify why he disappeared, she gets frustrated and, and storms off. Flashing back to Brandon and his mother and the issues that she's having following Kuji's death, he finds out, she tells him that she's going to sell their family home to which he gets upset and enlists his wife, who we find out is a real estate agent, to try to talk her out of buying the family home. She's acting erratically, but as he sits down and he speaks with her more and just really wants to figure out why she wants to sell the home, she candidly admits that she's haunted by Kuji's spirit still living there. She finds herself, she can't walk past his room without expecting him to see, without expecting to see him. And it's really taking its toll on her mentally. So she and her man want to bounce out and move to Montego, Tennessee, not Montego Bay. Did you think Montego Bay tonight when they said they wanted to bounce out and go live somewhere else? I thought they were talking about Jamaica. That probably would have been a nice change, but no, they're trying to move to Montego, Tennessee, where her man who is giving me a lot of baby boy cooking eggs in the kitchen naked energy. They want to move out of state. But the boyfriend, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that, um, I can't think of his name right now, but isn't that uh, Cud- Cuddy? No, not Cuddy. The other guy from Dead Presidents, who was Lorenz Tate's unk, that he was out there doing a job, the one that had no leg, the one that goes, that bastard made me drop a whole pack of cigarettes. I think that's the same actor. If it is, that's my guy. And it was cool to see him in that role. But right now he's giving me cooking eggs in the kitchen naked kind of energy. And despite the the clear animosity that he and Brandon have for each other, he does go out of his way to try to help him out, clean him up, help him with the cut, trying to figure out what's going on with the street stuff. He He's figured it out that Brandon knows who's killed Kuji and he's trying to advise him what to do. But of course, since he's not Brandon's father, he's not receptive to receiving anything that he said. Now, last week we met a character named Q who turns out that he is the brother of the man who's employing our guy Emmett at the chicken, at the chicken place, at the fried chicken spot. 
And the energy he's given us, a kind of swarthy energy that he's a kingpin, that maybe he's out the game and he had retired down to the islands for a while to get away from the heat and renounce his stake in the game. And in the meantime, he must have been gone for a long time because there are other cliques or cartels or I don't know what you call gangs or groups of young men who sell drugs in the streets. What do you call them? What, should, what, do we, what do we call them? I know that sounds really naive and sheltered, but when there's a crew of people selling drugs in the street, are they a gang? Are they banging? Are they just selling drugs? But whatever they are, he's not in a game anymore. And he goes to meet with whomever is the current king Ben of the territory that he much, that he used to run. In the last episode, he went to visit a councilman and made it clear he wants to know what was up with the boy Jason, who was our original murder victim. What were the circumstances surrounding his death? Why was he at the stash house? He seems to be very, very interested in this killing. So he goes and sees his current kingpin to try to figure out what's going on. And the kingpin, in a twist of irony, it just cracks me up when he says, business is good. We bless. So they blessed to be the drug running cartel on the streets over there. So he begins, Q begins asking questions like, why was the boy Jason up there? Why was he at the stash house? And we find out that the young soldier that he's talking to, that's not his territory. The territory belonged to another drug kingpin. So is it shaping up that maybe this youngster Jason wasn't as innocent as thought? Maybe he was leading a double life. Maybe he was delivering drugs or pushing, carrying weight for somebody else. We don't know yet. We're going to find that out. We've got seven more episodes to get through this season as we begin to learn the story of Jason. Out of all the characters that we've been introduced in the show so far, we don't really know anything about Jason yet except the... He was a football player. He was a good kid, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is he was outside that stash house because the stash, everybody knows, well, if you are familiar with the inner workings of your urban ghetto, the stash house is always tucked away in the cut. It's not right next to a school. It's not in a place of high traffic. It's tucked in the cut. So it's very interesting to see. And that's whether you're in Chicago or Inglewood or New York or Baltimore or or what, the stash is always in the cut. So why is this basketball player? And why haven't we seen his backstory yet? We know Coogee was an artistic kid. We're learning about Kevin and the kids in the school. We still haven't learned as much about Brandon and how he got to culinary school, but we don't know anything about Jason yet other than he was a basketball player. And there's a lot of interest in why he was murdered. We know for a fact that Ronnie is not Jason's biological father. It's been very clear. So Q is asking so many questions about it. It makes me wonder, was this his kid and he gave it up? Maybe he was messing around. Maybe she was about those hood dudes back in the day, uh, Ronnie's girlfriend. You know, a lot of ladies like hood dudes. You know, I got family that's into uh, dudes from the hood. So we're going to find out at some point why Q has so much interest in Jason's murder. So moving on with our story tonight, you know, on the side issue of really, it's really funny to see uh, the young girl who's pursuing Kevin with a vengeance. She's a big girl, quite a bit bigger than Kevin. And she is using that 
that size advantage and that aggressive nature to corner him. And it's very interesting to see the roles reversed on sexual harassment and, you know, low key, they're children, but it's still sexual misconduct. She keeps trying to kiss him. He's not having any part of it. And it makes me wonder if a lot of young men or young ladies, their first sexual experiences happen this way. Kevin just looks totally baffled and bewildered. And this girl can sense it on him. She could smell the fear on him. And the more he runs, the more she's into chasing him. So be safe out in the streets, Kevin, because she wants to eat him up. Keeping with our ghost theme, other than people disappearing and people haunted by memories, I thought it was kind of interesting this week that Q was dressed in white and everybody alludes that he came back from the island and he disappeared and he went ghost from whatever he left from that everybody keeps speaking of his return from. And they also had him dressed in white like a ghost. But as we find out over the course of the season, what did he become ghost from? That's the interesting part about the first season of any series. You have to lay so much groundwork to see what happened or who these characters are before you become fully vested in them. But I think that this, so far the shy is doing very well and giving us just enough of the characters to keep us interested from week to week. But there's clear there's a lot of layers and a lot of things we need to know about our primary characters. Back to our guy, Ronnie. Ronnie, now that he knows that he shot the right kid, although he's not admitting it to anyone, the wrong kid, um, although he's not admitting it publicly, he goes to visit Cruz at work. And Cruz is telling him, like, you can't come around here asking questions. It just looks mad suspect. Cruz, he worked as Cruz CI. And just to flash back, we know Cruz told him Kuji's in custody, and that would prompted him to go out and shoot Kuji. With that, Cruz is having his own remorseful moments and seeing ghosts because now he feels responsible for tipping Ronnie off to the fact that they had someone in custody and it didn't take very long for Ronnie to put two and two together and go find the person they had in custody. Unfortunately, Cruz messed it up by not keeping the boy safe and holding Ronnie off. He shouldn't have told Ronnie anything. All he heard was they had someone in custody. He had his girlfriend crying on his lap about how she wanted retro Tracy wanted retribution for his boy. So he went out and did what he needed to do. He wants Tracy back. He wants to be in her life. And if that was what it, he needed to do to get her back then fix it for her and heal her pain, that's what he did. But here we are the wrong boy getting shot when snitching goes bad. You know, the whole snitching thing, it kind of seems intertwined. We've got crews who basically dry snitched and let them know that Kuji was in custody leading to his death. We've got Kevin who's out here dry snitching on Ronnie. We don't know what if what's up, what's going to happen, but when snitching goes right and snitching goes bad, another common theme, when is it okay to snitch? When is it dangerous to snitch because the wrong person could be the, uh, the victim of snitching gone wrong? So after Ronnie spends his time talking to Cruz and Cruz tells him to go away and he needs to stop asking questions because he's, we've got this other bad cop who's on his tail. And I can't remember what the bad cop's name is who is working with <clears throat> Cruz. 
it's making me wonder because he's had such an interest in what's going on after he just said, oh, it's just a hood crime. It doesn't matter if they kill each other or not. But he seems to be especially interested whenever Cruz is talking to any of the people who may have been involved in the shooting that night. It gives you a feeling like there's some corrupt cop double agent things going on. Is this a major crimes case? Is it just a dirty cop case? But why is this bad cop so in one breath saying it doesn't really matter, it's just a hood on hood crime, but in the next breath, he's supremely interested whenever Cruz is caught talking to Ronnie. Brandon manages, switching back to Brandon, we put the police, possible police collusion to the side and we Brandon is successful in getting his wife to sit down and talk to his mom. Why does his mom hate her so much? Something else I want to know. We know that mothers are protected of their sons, but she just seems to have a lot of animus for Brandon's wife, who seems to be a nice young lady. I don't know. Maybe she sees in his wife how she missed the mark, and that could have been her had she altered the course of her life. But she don't like Brandon, Brandon's wife, and... um She's make it, made it very, very clear about that. Going on, we learned. We are getting supplied with so much information about our characters from the new drug dealer to Ronnie doing his own intel to find out where Kevin goes to school so he can pull up on him. Oh, this was a critical moment in the show tonight. So if we go back to episode... I don't think it was in the opening episode. I think it was in episode two when Ronnie, after Ronnie and his girlfriend, kind of girlfriend, Tracy rekindled their relationship physically. And she told him to go out and buy some food. He didn't have any money. So he took the gun that he shot Coogee with and sold it to the neighborhood plug. So we thinking, I'm thinking that's the end of seeing the plug, but not so fast. The plug comes back around tonight. Ronnie goes to visit him. Maybe he was summoned. And the plug tells him he knows that he killed the boy with the gun. And what he needs to do is get rid of anybody who knows that this gun was used in the execution of a crime or he's going to kill his girlfriend, his grandma, and him. Woo! That's a cold piece. That's a cold dude. He says he's wiping out the whole family unless he essentially kills the boy, Kevin. So that puts Ronnie back in hot pursuit of Kevin. Kevin's young friends big up him to go in to see Ronnie and, you know, just stare him down. Go talk to him. Tell him you're not going to snitch. But Kevin is so not soft, but not so jaded. He thinks he's tough, but he's not as tough as he thinks he is. He's jaded. He's a sweet kid. He's growing up with, in what looks like a loving home with a sister who's crazy about him that would do anything for him. So he doesn't have that, that edge that a lot of the young people in the hood have. As we wind down to the close of the episode, one of the reoccurring things that's been happening is everyone wants the cell phone back that belongs to Jason. What is on this cell phone? Is there video? Was Jason working as a CI? Was he a snitch? What was he doing? The bad cop wants the phone. Jason's mom wants the phone because she wants pictures of him. And this phone is of extreme interest to a lot of different people. So bad cop goes down to the hood after Cruz nervously mentions that 
Ronnie came over to look for the phone because he doesn't want bad cop to know that he was the one that supplied him with the knowledge that Kuji was in custody leading to Kuji's death. So he nervously tells him, oh, oh, you know, they just want the cell phone because they want pictures of him before he died. Bad cop goes rolling around the hood and goes and sees a, a homeless man who's pr- likely the eyes and ears of the neighborhood and asks him if he knows anything about the cell phone. The homeless man that kind of defiantly tells him, I'm not going to help you. And in turn, bad cop stomps on his hand like, you're going to find this damn phone. And when you find it, you holler back at me. But what was interesting, a homeless man called him a double. A double what? A double agent? A double crosser? What is he? What is a double exactly? If somebody listens from Chicago and that's some real specific street slang to Chicago, put me up on game. Because when I hear double, I think double agent, double crosser, just doing double dirty deeds. And we need to find out what's up with bad cops. And he might not even be the bad cop. That's the beauty of the layering of characters. All the characters aren't wholly good, but they're not wholly bad either. Emmett is trying to pick up some extra money so he can pay for daycare. Yep, he still got the baby. The mama has not come back. His own mother seems to be accepting of the situation because she can see he's trying. She's going to take the baby out to get some clothes from the Gap. If she'd like to swing through and pick up my daughter, she'd pick up some some clothes for her, too, if the Gap is having to fail. But she's trying to help her son out. And she tells her son that he needs to make more money because the baby needs to be into a proper daycare. Not to mention that he needs to pay back Q the $100 that he fronted him in episode two. Q's brother, who runs the chicken shack, already told Emmett, look, that's not the man to be playing with. You need to pay him back his money. Meanwhile, Q, what is the interest that Q has in these murders? Is Jason his son? He goes so far as to contact Brandon's wife, who's a real estate agent, to buy this house right up in the hood. It looked like a vacant. It looked like a vacant. But he buys the house. She he wants to pay cash and he wants a key immediately. And as we fast forward, we see the house he buys is right up in the mix where the stash house is where Jason was killed. And he's essentially sitting in the bay window drinking a cup of tea overlooking the whole hood to see what is the goings on of these drug pushers. Oh, maybe that's what we should call them. We'll call them pushers. To see what, to get a bird's eye view of what Trice, Thrice and his pushers are doing in the neighborhood where the boy Jason was killed. I'm I'm very excited to see this revelation. That's got to be his son. For him to take that much interest in it, he kind of looks a little bit like Ronnie. And, you know, maybe she, like I said, maybe she was really into the hood dudes or a guy, the guys with a little bit of edge. We never know. So, Kevin, to bring our, our, our episode to an exciting close, Kevin goes to see Brandon and tells him he apologizes for talking to him crazy, calling him a, a nigga, and all the other things that he has said during the epi- during the previous episode. And he tells them, oh, you know, I might be a little bit scared going through the park because I got to get home, and it's very scary. Can you walk me home? Sure, sure. Brandon's a nice guy. He's got a soft spot for younger guys. He has a younger brother, and he agrees to walk him home. And as they walk home to the park, they come up on the tunnel, and Kevin has brought him face-to-face with Ronnie, who says, hey, I heard you've been looking for me. Now, 
we get our first showdown of our two main characters, Ronnie, who killed Kuji, and Brandon, who is Kuji's brother. What we do know is Ronnie don't have no gun. So they're clearly not there for a shootout because Ronnie took the gun to Emmett. And I, I not to Emmett, to, to the plug. I forgot the plug's name. And I highly doubt the plug gave it back to him just like so, so he can go put another body on it. Or maybe he did. But I think it's just too early in the season to presume that they're about to have this big shootout in the tunnel at the park with the boy Kevin there. They're probably there to talk and come to some agreement. Or maybe it's a trap for someone else to come through. Either way, it was an intense closing and one that seemed to be very explosive to get this early in the season. I didn't expect them to have a real showdown until maybe episode six or seven or even maybe the season finale that they finally get to this place where Jason or where Brandon has enough rage to really shoot Ronnie and Ronnie has enough fear and guilt to shoot back. But here we are at the end of episode three ghosts where we see our characters staring each other down and that's it there. That's where we have it. Q is overlooking the stash house. Emmett is trying to do the right thing and raise his kid and trying to hustle up some jobs. Young Kevin got a girl on hot pursuit. And now he and his friends have been dragged into this musical to give them some after school safety. Brandon doesn't know quite what he wants to do. He's got one foot in, one foot out. He doesn't have the heart for the street life. Emmett doesn't have the heart for the street life because he considers selling drugs, but they... But when he says he has to think about it, the plug tells him, if you got to think about it, then this ain't your life. Kevin doesn't have that real street life mentality. We have a lot of young layered men who are just not cut out for that domain. They want something better. And that happens to a lot of young men. They want something better. They know something better. But for one reason or another or another set of circumstances, they get sucked into the street life. Or if they're not sucked into the street life, they become innocent victims of being in the wrong place at the right time. And that's where our characters are. We made it through another episode without someone dying. I didn't cry this episode because I've cried past couple episodes, but we're learning a lot more about our characters. Our focus now turns to Q and why he's so interested. We have to keep an eye on our bad cop to figure out why he wants his phone so bad. And of course, we have to keep an eye on this showdown now between Ronnie and Brandon. And that's it. That's this week's episode, Ghosts. People are haunted. People are disappearing. Very apropos. Congratulate or kudos to the cast and the crew of the episode. Another entertaining episode that's given us a lot to think about, a lot to ponder as we continue through this inaugural season of The Shy. Make sure that you tune in each and every Sunday night for these after shows. I'll have these up on Black Sports Online tomorrow with a brief introductory recap so you can listen to them, watch the episode, and listen back and let me know what you think. Am I on the right track? Do you think that Q is dead Jason's father? What is the interest there? Is Kevin going to make it out of this situation alive? Is Emmett going to get a job at the corner store so he could take care of his baby? Who is Trice? 
where was Q and why did he leave the game for a while? These are all questions that need answering, and we're going to find out as the season progresses. Once again, the show is brought to you by Undeterred, purveyors of fine t-shirts. Make sure you visit undeterred.bigcartel.com and check out their merchandise. Let us know you got one. Tweet me at Giandra LaBeouf or hit me on Instagram. Same thing, Giandra LaBeouf. Tag me in your post. If you're rocking the Undeterred t-shirt, use the Undeterred hashtag. It's been a pleasure. Like every Sunday, talking about this show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm glad you're listening to the show. If you want to call and debate with me or hit me up on Twitter, I'm always down to discuss the show. It's been another great episode. This is The Shy on Showtime. This is The Shy After Show. I'm Giandra LaBeouf. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next Sunday. Have a great night, and have a great week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.